Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. All right, here we go. Another episode of the Men on Purpose podcast. You know why I, I love this episode? Yeah, I'm talking about the episode in the beginning. It's fine. <laughs> I love this episode because I've known of this guy for a long time. You know, not a long time, a couple years. And it's so exciting that the, that the universe aligned and brought him to me through a booking agency. And we're, we, we talk about so many amazing things on this podcast, you are going, you're in store, oh man, medical stuff, health and fitness stuff, tragedy, a ton of personal development. The best part is his, 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 his way of communicating this information is amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's so, it's so dialed in and distilled down to pure gold that you are going to want to get that pen and paper out. Like I say every time, as cheesy as it might sound, you've got to have that pen and paper out. This guy, I'm writing, no joke, throughout this podcast, I'm writing notes because this guy, he's condensed stuff so well that it's just right there. It's ripe for the picking. So let me just tell you about it, right? Dr. A, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, Balduzzi, He's a health and weight loss expert, and he's the founder of the Fit Father Project, and now the Fit Mother Project. And he's the, you know, the the just he's just I don't know if the guru is the right word, but the guy is just purely aligned in his mission. He had some things happen in childhood, and he is so aligned in his mission to bring health and fitness and healthy lifestyle to the world that it is, it's invigorating. That's the best word I can describe. So. He is, his programs are leading health and weight loss programs for busy men and women over 40. But it doesn't mean you can't take any of these if you're under 40. I'm under 40 and, and, and I find his stuff to be really amazing and very helpful. So he's got two degrees, one in nutrition, one in neuroscience from the University of Pennsylvania. And he's got a doctorate in neuro, uh, naturopathic medicine, a former national champion bodybuilder. He is so proud of the fact that he's helped tens and tens and tens of thousands of families all over the world in over a hundred countries lose weight and get healthy through his Fit Father and Fit Mother project. And I'm going to tell you, it's just, you know, when you have a conversation with somebody and it, you just feel it, that's this episode. So stay tuned, buckle up, get your pen and paper out, get your iPhone out, get your note app up. This one is chock full of gold. Here we go. All right, Anthony, let's rock and roll here, man. Let's, so I want to give people a little bit of a, a, a background. I've known about you for a while, and then you're, the, the people that book you on podcasts or promote for you sent me an email and said, would you be interested? And I jumped on it right away. And so here we are, man, and I'm really excited about this because I think you have an amazing message and discipline, and just embodiment of what it means to have a, uh, to live a, a life on purpose in a very healthy way. And you're promoting that to the world. And I, and I want to help you promote it, man. So let's just get rolling. <laughs> let's, yeah, for sure. Let's get rolling with your background. Just so for people that don't know you, tell us about your younger years, and then how you got into what you got into today. And then those moments that shifted your life, and then we're going to get really into the meat of what you do today. Yeah. So Anthony Balduzzi, um, the men and women I serve at the Fit Father Project, Fit Mother Project, call me Dr. A. Um, but it wasn't always like I set out to be a doctor. Like growing up, I was just basically your average kid. Love playing basketball outside, riding my bike. Um, I was born in upstate New York, Syracuse, New York. And um, at a certain point, 
uh, my family relocated. I was probably around six at the time um, to Toronto, Canada. So I grew up a mix of New York and Toronto, Canada, um, and just had a had a great childhood. I have a younger brother, Nick, a mom, a dad, um, and I would just watch my dad bust his ass um, for my entire childhood working his way up um, the corporate ladder um, for a company that did some computer leasing at the time. And I just remember him like sleeping at the office, slaving away and putting money so my brother and I can go to good schools. And we went to good schools, we made good friends. And, and that was that. And I didn't really realize what was happening behind the scenes um, until my dad got really sick. Um, one night we were playing downstairs and we heard this crash from my dad's upstairs bedroom and my brother and I run upstairs. We rip the door open and we find dad on the floor. He's convulsing, having a violent seizure. And so we grab mom, we pick that up, put him in the car and we rush him to the hospital. And we sat there, we sat there, he was getting blood tests, brain scans. Um, and then we're in the waiting room and the doctor comes in and says, Peter, I'm so sorry. Um, you have cancer and it's serious. And basically you need to get your affairs in order. And I was in the room with mom and dad and I remember looking over at my mom's face and that's when I knew that this was big because I saw the terror in my mom's eyes. Um, and at the time my dad got diagnosed, um, I was six. And over the next couple of years, I watched him go through two brain surgeries, um, you know, chemo, radiation. Um, and we moved to Arizona basically to, from, from Canada to Arizona, basically to have a place where, um, he could have a slightly better quality of life than those cold Canadian winters, uh, yeah. upon his passing. And he ended up dying at 42 years young. Um, it was right before my 10th birthday, my little brother was six. And I, I actually haven't shared this story, um, on a podcast before, but since we're going deep into personal story, I'd like to, the, the actual day he passed was crazy. Um, I was, a, I was a kid from, you know, Canada, essentially growing up and moved to, to Arizona. So those who don't know Arizona, very hot desert kind of landscape, didn't know anybody, didn't have any, have any friends. So I was walking down this day to the rec center to play basketball. And dad was really sick. At this time, he was, he was in a room. We knew he was, you know, going to pass soon. He was barely conscious. Um, and we had some hospice people kind of coming in and, and taking care of him. And I got in a fight at the basketball courts playing with some kids. I didn't know some older kids. And um, one of the kids pushed me as I was going for a layup and I fell and I broke my arm. Hmm. Um, and so I walked back home with my broken arm, you know, however long it was back and walking back from the basketball courts. It's in the middle of the summer. It was like around May or June. It was around May in Arizona, very hot. Um, and I get to the door, knock, open the door. My mom sees me with my mangled arm and her husband's dying. And my brother is who knows where my little brother Nick was. Um, and the first thing she does, puts me in the car. We drive down to the basketball court because she literally wanted to kill the kid that did this to me. <laughs> she was probably at like wit's end. It wasn't like, let's, let's get Anthony in the hospital. It's like, yeah. who did this to you? And so anyways, we finally do get to the hospital. And I have to stay overnight for surgery. Um, and my mom goes back home because her husband's dying and she has another kid and she's got to do that. So I'm overnight for surgery. Um, and that was the night my dad passed away. Oh, and as my mom tells me the story, um, she was with him that night and she was very concerned about me going under surgery. And she, she, you know, I don't know if dad could actually hear her at the time, but whispered in her ear, Hey, Peter, you know, I know you're not basically long for this world. If you're going to go, go now, you know, I want you in that hospital room, that surgery room with Anthony. Um, and he passed away that night. And I found out the next morning when mom picked me up, um, again, that same look, the first time she was diagnosed that dad had passed away. Um, and this was a couple months before my 10th birthday. And so we can fast forward. And I just remember on that 10th birthday, my dad had died. We just moved in, into Canada and or from Canada, Arizona. And I had that birthday cake and it was just me, my mom, my little brother. And I remember blowing out those candles and it was both the loneliest, the saddest, the angriest I'd ever felt in my entire life. But I also felt um, a moment of resolve. I don't know exactly what it was, but I, I did know that over the last basically several weeks of just crying all the time in the closet with my mom, not understanding why this would happen, why, you know, God would do this to my dad and sure. everything, et cetera, was out of control and crumbling. I remember I, I, I felt like in that moment to blow up my candles, I had a pause of a choice, a choice to feel and find some amount of empowerment in that decision. And so I blew out those candles and on my 10th birthday, my mom gifted me a pair of my dad's old dumbbells, these shitty York dumbbells that he could have used a little more often, but they were, they were cool. Um, and she gave them to me. And so I hid them under my bed. And every night um, after mom would tuck me in, 
once I had those dumbbells, I would drag them out and do some stuff. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had seen people do curls and shoulder presses and push-ups. So I did that every night, almost for an entire year. Um, and as I began to exercise, I started to feel that empowerment feeling again. When I was blowing out the candles, I felt it again. I felt a little pump in the blood in my muscles. And I felt like, man, this is something that I'm doing that makes me feel alive. So I kept on going. I had a little like Walkman headset. I put on a couple songs that I love and I do my exercise. And that continued for around a year. And this was in my, when I was 10 up until 11 and life continued, you know, just being a, a normal kid, you know, on the, on the brink of going from middle school to high school. Um, and as I exercised though, I realized when I was, when I was getting stronger, I started to feel more in control of my life, or at least in the sense that when things were crumbling outside of my, my ability, I knew that if I did my exercise, I felt better. Um, and that was as, as simple as it was. I knew that I felt life and I felt control and exerting myself actually helped me not feel as sad and as broken down. It wasn't until a couple of years later when I actually got into high school, when we had like one of these intro uh, gym classes, they, I remember the guy, the, the coach gathered all the kids together and he's like, um, it was something about like pushups. He's like, can anyone do a one arm pushup? And I look around and no one raises their hand. So I raise my hand, like, I'm pretty sure I can do a one arm pushup. And he brings me out there and I bang out like 20 of them because I've been training every Yes, because I've been wow. training every night. And that was the moment where I realized, wait a second, this is like, this is different. This is special. This is yeah. something that like, for me, it was a healing thing. But now I'm like, okay. And as a young man, you know, like getting into high school, this was apparently someone, something people thought was pretty cool too. So I got deeper. It's almost like that, that passion and that affirmation that came you know, socially on top of all the stuff that I was doing for, for my own kind Internal, of like personal yeah. and spiritual healing, then kind of like bolstered up that experience. Um, and so I went deeper. I started studying nutrition um, and I started training more. Um, and in time, as I continued to progress and, and grow with my own fitness and knowledge, my friends started asking me and I started training them. And I got my first job as a personal trainer at good old LA Fitness. And so the things started to, to snowball and I, I found a lot of purpose. And the purpose wasn't just the fact that I realized that when you control your nutrition, your exercise, your body can look a certain way and perform a certain way. It was the fact that when something terrible happens, ultimately, I learned a couple truths is one is your health is the foundation of your ability to respond, period. When your body's healthy, your mind is healthier. Your emotions are more steady. You can feel more confidence and energy and vitality to conquer whatever happens. And two, it's something that we can control. At least we can control our inputs. When we do these certain things, it's kind of like a tangible, you get an output function. And for, for me, that was very important early in my life. And it developed into this tremendous passion over the years that went into bodybuilding, eventually culminated in medical school. Um, and also being, being, being that the mission was born kind of from that soil. I didn't know it at the time when I was 10, but essentially what the Fit Father Project became was me in medical school looking at guys just like my dad. They'd come into the office, we'd look at him, we'd see him, and it's just like, you are my dad. You're making the same decisions he made, and I understand why. You're a busy guy, you're balancing 15 different things, and naturally, your health and fitness gets put on the back burner. And I found myself saying the same things to these guys that if I had a time machine, I would have said to my dad and taught him. And so I knew I needed to make the Fit Father Project because it, it seemed like this was a big enough problem for men. And so we did, and it started slow. And it, it continued to grow momentum over the last 10 years to the point where, you know, man, I, I think my team and I have helped 500,000 guys in over 100 countries in some capacity lose weight, build muscle. So it's been an incredible journey. And I, and I really do look back and thank those experiences and thank my dad's life and thank the, my ability to respond to that as being such like a blessing for creating purpose and a vehicle for me to develop and to help other men. Jeez. Okay. I want to, that was, that was amazing, man. You're giving me chills for a little bit and, I, and I'm pretty sure that everybody listening to this, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. You're, I have so many questions for you. It, that <laughs> Let's was, unpack it. it. We might, we might just drop, drop the mic at this point and publish this thing. No, we got to unpack this. So let me go back to that day where you were blowing out the birthday candles. How did you know? Cause I know as a 10 year old kid, I felt very, my dad's an entrepreneur. My mom was a my mom was a high-level uh, medical professional, and I felt so disconnected from the world. I don't think I ever could have had those thoughts at 10 years old to, to kind of take back my power or to find my power. How did, you, 
how did you know how to do that? Did your dad teach you that? Were you studying personal development? I mean, or is it just what you realize now was that, but back then it was, how do I channel this energy into something that makes me feel better? I think it's that I was gifted the opportunity to experience the polarity of mm. powerlessness intensely. So, I mean, we, everything is kind of has that polarity, right? There's power and there's, there's lack of power. And I think because I had had a situation that swung our family so deep into this instability and lack of power feeling that the natural almost gravitation of emotion is there's only one way out and it's across that continuum of that duality into more power. Um, And, and I also think it came from a, a place of exhaustion. Like after so many weeks of just feeling crushed, like there's only so much more you can cry before you're like, I'm not going to do this again today. So right. I think there were seeds of that that kind of came, but going through that, it's not that I almost feel like I didn't choose it. It was just kind of what the situation um, presented with and kind of molded me into that. I didn't have the foresight. I hadn't studied personal development yet, although I sure. did get into that a couple years past that. But yeah, I, I think it was just because of uh, those intense experiences allow you to experience the extremes and they can bring that strength in proportion to the level of challenge. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a, everything happens for a reason. And with the death of a loved one, unfortunately, where we where at that fork in the road that you had a choice you could have gone down a very dark road which i've had some friends whose whose families have passed or whose uh, um, parents have passed at a young age and they go left and they figure out how to calm that pain with substance and with mm-hmm. a bad crowd that kind of thing <clears throat> in addition to other things but to 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 feel in your physical body. And I know this feeling because, uh, and people don't believe me when I tell this story, but when I started my business in real estate and I left my dad's, I left my dad's shipping company in 2012. I, I and even before that, I learned this, like I, I broke my uh, pelvis on a four wheeler accident in, in 2009. Mm-hmm. I knew that the pain, the depression, that the, the pain that I felt inside, I knew that I could make it hurt more physically on the external, right? On the muscles, even though it wasn't external, I knew that I could feel real pain and I could make myself feel more pain than I was feeling inside. And so I was, remember P90X? I was Uh doing P90X like it was going out of style with a broken pelvis because I hurt. I was so depressed inside that as I started to heal, I did that. And I realized that I can control this pain by inflicting more pain physically on my body, but not like in a dangerous way, just by doing an hour and a half of yoga and then lifting some weights and things like that. Is, is that almost what you experienced was the pain could be shifted? Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like a very well said. And yes, I do. I do remember distinctly the feelings, either taking these, these night runs as fast as I could around the block or doing those lifting weights in those early years when the body gets into that, that place of pushing the boundary and really feeling your physicality and that quote unquote suffering and being able to observe that and consciously still choose it. Yeah. Transmutes um, that into an experience that is chosen, which inevitably has that reflection in the inner experience that enables you to observe that emotional pain. And that enables you to kind of either surrender into it, choose it, accept it or transmute it. But yes, I mean, it's just, we're looking at the, the manifestation on the gross and on the more subtle mental emotional, but it's the same game. And that's why what I have found too, is that exercise in particular, I'd say, especially for young men and weightlifting is one of the best personal development tools, because when you are squatting with a bar on your back and you're on rep eight, nine, 10, and it gets really hard, it teaches you to choose that pain because you set out to do this and, and that, that rep when you get eight and then you get nine, then you get 10, then maybe even you get 11, that skill set that's developed by choosing that, that physical dimension of, of pushing forward is what translates into every other area of your life. When, you, when you're unmotivated to work, that yeah. same skill set applies. So yes to all of that. I'm so glad you brought that up. So transmutation is a perfect word for what we're talking about. Very Napoleon Hill, right? From, um, mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking. Think and grow rich. Yeah, think, yeah, and, think grow and grow rich. rich. Um, transmutation of that energy, right? So 
I think it was chapter nine or 11, where he talks about sexual transmutation, channeling that energy into something else versus expending it on something that's pretty fleeting. And so mm-hmm. I like, I like that you, the way you, the way you said that in terms of pushing yourself and saying to yourself, I chose this. I didn't start squatting this bar because somebody forced me by gunpoint. I mm-hmm. chose this. And I think more people need to understand that they've chosen other things in their life, whether it's happened or, or turned out the way they want, or the situation turns into something that they visioned or envisioned, they chose that. And so mm-hmm. rep eight, nine, and 10 and beyond is on you. You got to keep mm-hmm. pushing yourself through these things. And that's a lot about what we talk about on this podcast is that at rep eight, if you quit, your brain wires itself to say, I don't push. Now, if you go oh, yeah. eight, nine, 10, if you really want to rewire, then you go to 11 and your brain uh-huh. says, oh, I can do it. Okay. And now it starts to do some small wiring that says, I can push past my limitation. It's physical, but now I can push past this emotionally, or I can push past this very tough conversation I need to have. Physical mm-hmm. exercise. I've been, a, I've been a swimmer my entire life. And in the pool, which I train a lot of triathletes just for, just for fun, you, it's amazing what people can do outside of the pool than when they get in that water and it's a different medium they're pushing their bodies through. It is amazing how, how limited they actually are. Guys that can ride 80, 100 miles on a bike, run a marathon, they get in the pool and they swim three laps and they're like, they're shocked. There's a huge disconnection between, I know I can do this and I physically cannot figure out how to drag myself through the water in an efficient manner to where I'm not, I'm not gassed after a 75 yard swim, you know? And that's another level of push because it's, it's a totally different world that you've just never played in and your body reacts differently in the water than it does in the, on the ground or in the air. So it's, uh, it's really, that's, that's, it's quite profound, especially as a young guy and to propel this forward into a career. I mean, so let me ask you something. Why didn't you stay with uh, personal training? Did you know that you had more to give, more to learn, more to give the world? Mm. Well, in high school, um, it was definitely more about bodybuilding and fitness. Um, for me personally, I wanted to grow body and muscular strong body. And that's what kind of got me into bodybuilding. But the truth is when I was in high school, I was a very good student. I I have had the seeds of being a, a driven guy. And I think it's from those early experiences. I was a good student and I went to my guidance counselor and I, I asked her, what is the best school that you think I can get into that also has an amazing gym? Um, <laughs> and so we, we made a short list and I ended up visiting and I settled on uh, University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia and they happened to have a bodybuilding show. I went there to their gym and they had, um, they had a Mr. Penn bodybuilding show. I saw it. I was there with my mom. I'm like, this is the place I want to go. I want to do this bodybuilding show. And so I, I chose to go to UPenn and I had, um, when I was there, I started studying nutrition and neuroscience. Um, and when I was there, I guess my horizons were expanded so much into different facets of health. Um, and I've always been very fascinated growing up with personal development. Thinking Grow Rich was the first book I read around 12 or 13. Um, and it had a big impact on, on my early thinking. And I loved the fact that you could teach people for a living how to improve their lives um, because I, I thought there was no more worthy thing to make a direct impact on someone's life by using your time and your energy and perhaps some wisdom that you've gained along there. Um, I thought that was such a cool way to live. And I, I admired guys like t- Tony Robbins, for example, who was a, a great example growing up. My mom was in a tough time, so I benefited after after her dad passed. She got into a lot of personal development. So I grew up listening to some Tony Robbins tapes in the car. And I'm like, man, like this is great stuff. Like, thank you. And what's it going to be like to actually have a life where I can help people in that way? And so I started getting interested in that world of, of, of business and entrepreneurship from the sense of how can I do this? And I realized too that in the space, the best thing you can be to help people when it comes to your health is to become a doctor. 
is to become a physician. It's to take your education to the highest level that you can there um, because it commands, you know, credibility and, and respect for a lot of people. Um, but also because there's so much that you learn in medical school that just you're not going to go out and learn unless you're forced to yeah. <laughs> through this rigorous, like battleground that is medical school. So um, it was a number of those factors, but I did get into medical school knowing that I didn't want to necessarily practice traditionally in office. I wanted to be out there um, and teach people for a living how to manage their health. Um, and that really blossomed in college too. And a lot of people started training with me. I love that. So I was going to ask you, how did you pick up Think and Grow Rich at 12 years old? But that explains it. I had you know, a, my mom did remarry um, to my stepdad. He's an amazing guy and he was an entrepreneur. So uh, he definitely had read a lot of these books on leadership and thinking Gurich. And I think he was the one that originally gave it to me. Um, and I, I guess I was kind of lucky. And I, you mentioned too, like, why did you not turn to drugs and alcohol? I think I just got lucky. I was 10. That wasn't yeah. on my radar. If I was 14, 15, 16, Probably. very well, perhaps. But if I was the age of my brother, six at the time, I might not have able to have really processed it in, in such a way that you can when you're slightly older. So yeah. I, maybe I was just in that Goldilocks zone of being able to respond well and having the right influences. Who knows? The point being is like, this is what it is yeah. and this is how it happened. Yeah. And you know, there's a, <clears throat> do you follow any, you know, landmark, landmark education? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things that came up for me or landmark language that occurred for me when you were speaking was that at 10 years old, it, it, you didn't make meaning of what happened you actually just got into action. I mean, you made meaning while you were processing that, you know, the anger and the fear and the, the stuff as you walk to the basketball court or you, and you blew that cake out, you're processing all that stuff very quickly. And it's almost like the universe designed this situation because you had this insanely higher purpose in life, you know, and it's very, it's very interesting to think about that. You know, like we, sometimes we think, when somebody passes away at 42 years old, that's just, that's just too early. You know, there's so much life to be lived. And what, what I know of you and I know of that story and just listening to you speak is that, you know, your, your dad actually gave you life. If you think about it, I mean, mm -hmm. really physically gave you life, but also yes. provided through his life, a life for you to impact. And I know that's a buzzword, but you really impact people worldwide, right? To impact this, this planet as a whole through health and fitness. And that's pretty extraordinary, like really extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And so I feel was, that for sure. Yeah. And, and, and you could have gone down that route, even at 16 and 414, you could have gone and regressed back and, and, and gotten into these, these crowds that numb their pain through substance. But that's just so cool that you didn't because it wasn't designed that way. You know, as your brother designed that way. Yeah. He, my wasn't. brother kind of went the opposite way. Yeah. Honestly, he got, he got into that alternate crowd yeah. and his life, his life became very difficult for 15 years as a result of that. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. I mean, so, so yes, I think that the influence around uh, friend group was huge and, and that I was a recipient of a gift that I didn't ask for. I didn't ask for dad's dumbbells, but they were given right. to me. So it's like part of the lesson here is I, I there's an aspect of personal development that, wants us to really build ourselves up, even, even egoically build ourselves up as like the master of our, our domains. And, and there could be a healthy amount of ego that can give you some drive and maybe a sense of control. But I, what, what has become more true to me over the later years as I've reflected more and learned more is that we are molded by our experience. I feel of myself as like this, this almost like fluid being that has been crafted by a series of choices that have been based on the turns that have been presented to me. And I think when you get to that point, life can become a lot easier because I don't have as much stake in the game. Me as in an ego me, I just am able to relax and enjoy the ride and, and make the right good value decisions at every junction that's presented to me. And then who knows where the ride goes from here. But it's, it's like almost feel like the path is, is being chosen. Um, and oftentimes what I've found when looking at a lot of people's lives, it's like our hardest stuff, our really most tragic and difficult stuff that is exactly what is needed for us to go deeper into. And, and, like, and when you can transmute like that kind of stuff 
it's like the power latent in the huge suffering and the huge pain and huge chaos is directly proportional to like the greatness that comes from that. Like Mount Everest wouldn't be epic if it didn't almost kill you. Sure. Like, so this is kind of same things with our experience is, is like almost be really grateful for the intensity of them and sometimes the hardness of them. And I, I love that, that one prayer that essentially goes of like, like God grant me this strength to yeah. meet these obstacles. You're right. Yeah, man. You, you got some mic drop moments here. I'm really enjoying this conversation. I know the audience is, and I want everybody, every, every, every show we do, I always tell people, the universe designed you to listen to this show, whether it's your first time or you listen to everyone religiously. I don't take random people. There's no randomness in this world. The people that I feel aligned with that I bring onto the show are designed to be on the show. And they're designed to talk to you because you're designed to click play and listen to this today. So here's the pen and paper moment. What Dr. A said was, you're the result of the choices that you make. And that seemed really small if you don't think about it. But if you really think about it, it is huge. And at every moment, we've got a choice, right? We've got a choice to go right or left. And right is usually toward the goal, whether you have identified the goal or not, or you know the mission that you're on. And left is away from it. And at every moment, we have a choice to make meaning of something that's happening to us. And that's very landmark. If you've ever taken landmark, that's landmark. And we have a choice to make. And you can choose to sit and sulk, or you can choose to this or choose to that. But just know that everything's designed the way it's designed to happen to you for a reason. You don't need to know that reason. But you have a choice to continue to, to move forward with it like, like, like you did. And, and, and do something with an experience or something that happens to you, you know, like mm -hmm. the world would be a very different place if you weren't, if you weren't making choices that served you moving forward after something like that happened to you. And, you know, I mean, that, that's a, that's a rough thing that happens. And all you did was just make a choice to pick up dumbbells to, to make yourself feel a little bit better. But that choice mm -hmm. went to something else and, and, and exponentially grew like a snowball. And yeah. I think that is fascinating, fascinating. And so, yeah. go ahead. I, I think this is so beautiful what you said, and it's really true. Definitely in my experience. And I want to make one distinction between pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. Like the pain you feel from the loss of a loved one is, is a natural reaction as a byproduct of, of a change in something very dramatic about your relationship with them. But it's different than suffering because I can honestly say in high school, after only a couple years after my dad had passed, the pain, the, the, it, it, it had gone. It had gone. The pain had healed. And from that pain came the blossom of all this mission. Now, suffering is a different thing. Suffering is that continuous, like low grade, yeah. nagging feeling in your soul or in your body or whatever, that like, you know, you're off course and it's kicking you and it's constant and it's there. It's like that ghost or that whatever that is, that's hanging around you. And that is something that is our constant course corrector. It's like, when we feel that we know we're out of alignment. Um, and, and, that's why suffering is like the great gift and the great teacher. If we know we have an area of our life where we're suffering, it is because that is our course correction because we know it's not in the right path. So we listen to the suffering. What I can honestly say is like the pain was an episodic thing for me, but the suffering did stop because I was able to, to move forward in that path. And so if we do have areas of our life where we're suffering, it's the perfect place for us to examine. Um, and then when we do get aligned, the suffering stops. It's not to say it won't be hard and it won't be like rep eight, nine, 10, because that stuff's required when you're really pushing at something, but it's not suffering. It's chosen. Yeah. And you can choose, like I tell a lot of people, you know, we have a, we have a, my wife and I have a very large coaching business and we coach people on personal development and transformation and, and business build. And, and my wife and I have, have started coaching people on being married in business together because we're not experts, but we have succeeded over almost not you know, eight years, almost nine years together in business and as parents and as a great couple and partners. And so it's, it's interesting what you said about like you, you, you can choose to suffer. That's still a choice, but it will dissipate. It doesn't mean that it will completely go away. You'll never think about it again. And I think some people like to hold on to it because when they stop feeling things, 
they think that it's disappeared or that it's gone or that that memory's gone but it's it's not it's still there you're just choosing to move on and use it as strength to push yourself forward and if you do that you can benefit from it and nobody says you can't benefit from a tragedy or a situation like that you didn't cause it it's something that happened mm-hmm. and you chose something to move forward with in a positive manner i love that i absolutely love that and i want to talk to you for a second about about ego because i've had i have some friends that are uh that are bodybuilders and there's a there's quite a bit of ego there and there's mm-hmm. quite a bit of if i'm not a bodybuilder if i don't take my shirt off and i'm not the most jack guy at the pool i i don't know who i am and there's an identity mm-hmm. locked up in that which it's not a regular fit body. This is a lot of work to keep that kind of muscle on, right? And you don't, you, you don't look like that all the time. You, you, you size down and then size back up. How do you control, you know, obviously you probably got in shape at a very young age, like hitting those dumbbells every day, you know, with a metabolism of a 10-year-old, you're probably getting cut up and, you know, like yeah. you're, um, by the time you're 15 and you've got that, that programming planned in your brain or planted in your brain, you're you're looking really good. How did you control the what people thought of the external you and weigh that with how you were feeling inside and not make that external become your reality? Like if I don't look like this, people won't like me. How did you? I mean, I don't know if you did, but it sounds like you you actually kept really straight with it. The short of it is, I didn't for a long period of time. I think, got it. and but I, what I love to share because I think it is an interesting story. Um, as I, you know, bodybuilding is something, especially if you're a competitive bodybuilder, not just a guy that goes to the gym and trains like a competitive bodybuilder, you legitimately get on stage next to other people and you're judged subjectively on like whose body is better based on criteria that can right. seemingly be random. Um, you know, but like, so you, and you dedicate your whole life around the pursuit of manipulating your eating, your training, your sleep. Um, so that on this one particular day, 16 weeks into the future, after you start dieting that you can look really good. So it is a crazy kind of concept. The beauty of it comes from the extreme discipline that comes from that teaches you a lot and that you can create an amazing body. I, I got lucky too, because I started bodybuilding competitively at a very young age. I, I started at like my first show was like 18 and I bodybuild competitively until I was 25 and I probably done 15 or so bodybuilding shows during that time. Um, and I was happy that I, I got out at that point when I was still like as a, as a younger guy and I kind of ran my, ran my reps through that. Um, and it was also, it's a different game, maybe being like a bodybuilder in the sub 25 versus like the serious professional bodybuilders, 25 to 45 years old. And that next realm of the things that happen. Um, I was identified with it for a long time because it's like, if it's your metric of success is like how well you compete in the shows and, or like how good your body continues to progress. Like you inevitably start to think of yourselves as that body. I was blessed with a cool experience. that sounds a little bit like yours where, um, in medical school, final year, I was, I was still doing a lot of bodybuilding, although less competing. Um, and I was skiing in, in Colorado uh, skiing very fast with a friend. I grew up in Canada, so I skied a lot and I, I kind of launched off this head wall thing, um, and ate it bad going about 30 or 40 slammed into a tree, shattered my femur, broke my arms, like bad, like wheelchair bad. Um, and it was one of the, again, one of the best experiences ever happened to me is, is being laid up so bad after that it helped disentangle me from identification with body because almost yeah. like my body became shattered and I couldn't train like I wanted to. And so you almost have to like reevaluate some things. And I think if I look back, it is when we get entangled with things like with our ego perceptions, um, they ultimately will cause us fragility and suffering. Like these are the byproducts of that. They may feel strong at certain times, but we all know when our ego gets poked in a particular way that it can really hurt, whether it's, you know, for a lot of men, it's oftentimes in relation to women um, are a way to kind of poke on egos or maybe with other men, maybe it's just my experience. But, um, what I've, what I've learned is that suffering that comes when our personality or ego personality is triggered is the exact indication for us to examine it. It's kind of like what I was trying to say before is like suffering is the way. Um, and when we see that, it gives us a moment to like step back and like, look, because when you can start to deconstruct those attachments to identities, the body being a huge one for a lot of guys, 
um, then you become so much stronger and more fluid because, you know, I'm not even half as jacked as I used to be. And that's in like, and I'm legitimately like stoked on it. And I teach fitness for a living and there's people who are way better looking, more fit, stronger, but like, it's not about me anymore. And it gives me such a sense of freedom to be able to almost be like this channel of like, of both service and on this roller coaster life of like, I'm seeing these right and left turns and I'm just taking them as I like to the best of my ability and experiencing the pain if I'm off course and recourse correcting. But it's a beautiful place if, if someone can get there because it's, it, it is very freeing. Um, and I, and I do look back on the years of heavy body identification, lots of bodybuilding, wanting to be the most jack guy in the room. And I smile and I, those were the exact reps I needed to run at the time. I needed to do all of that stuff sure. to get to where I am. I couldn't have like skipped that step. So it was like a part of the development. Um, so I didn't avoid it at all. Um, I just had, again, some unique experiences and choices that enabled me to kind of like move past that into my next stage of development. And I, perhaps when I look back, I could say that if I, if I were to have found myself really stuck and stagnant in the same kind of mode of thinking for more than like three or four years, then something was not right. Like I've had so many different iterations of like worldviews, spirit views, business views that seem to be radically different from their, for their previous iteration. Um, and that's been a theme and maybe it continues, maybe it doesn't. But like looking back, if I would have examined my life now and I feel like I'm super stagnant in my thinking, then I know that the growth is not happening in the background. How would you, I want to, I want to talk about your mission for a second and I want to get into fit father project. So people, a lot of people have come to me to help them identify their mission and subsequently their purpose within that mission on this planet. I know, you know, people, I know plenty of people, there's plenty of people listening right now that just don't know what they're doing here. You know, they're providing for a family and they're being a good parent or maybe they want a family and they've got this cool job, but they're not sure if this is it. And they're, they're, they're doubting that this is what it's really all about. You know, you've had a very clear understanding of, of a mission, maybe not this entire time. I want to kind of, I want to know when did that become crystal clear to you that, that like the fit father project is, is direct correlation with, with your dad and his health and the way he operated his life. Correct. I mean, it's like, that is a, that is a crystal clear mission that you should be on. No doubt to, to help other people in those, especially in those age ranges over 40 to not have to go through what you went through or what your dad experienced from health and stress and cortisol and trying mm -hmm. to balance a ton of stuff. How would you, how would you help somebody to identify their mission if they're not as clear as you know that is a very direct correlation for yours but how would you help somebody identify their mission if they don't have that clarity yeah two things i, I would say and one i can honestly say i didn't have the level of clarity that it certainly seems when we map what we've described as my life backwards um, until i was in early 20s Okay. So for me, you know, that may seem like, oh, we had it pretty young. Yeah, but I've been doing this stuff since I was 10. Right. So it, like, it, was, it, was a, it was a decade plus of like of figuring that out. I would say two things. One model that really impacted me um, is, was from a, a business book, actually, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, and oh, yeah. he has this thing called the hedgehog concept. That's amazing. It's like one of those triple Venn diagrams that all share like a, a, a middle section of them. And in one circle, um, you write something like things you absolutely love like passion, like things you legitimately love. The second circle, you write things that you're actually good at or have the chance to be world-class at, the natural aptitude things. And then the third circle is stuff that you can get paid at. You know, and and, and you, you brainstorm and you try to find what is that intersection of things. Now, it's very possible that we don't have all three of those pieces where we can neatly find, oh, that's my thing. I, I like guitar uh, and I'm actually very good at it. And I find that I like to teach so I could get paid at doing that. It might not be that clear. So at the very least where you start, if you don't have that, is something that you're very good at. Um, because, and I think this is what my stepdad taught me. He's, he's one of the best businessmen I've ever met. And he works in construction. Um, and it's a job that not a lot of people find you know, necessarily like sexy and glitzy with our, our new kind of like a internet business kind of mojo. Sure. But what he found is that when he, 
He built the most incredible life off of the fact that he knew he was good at like working hard, using a hammer and some carpentry. And the passion almost came later out of that. Like, so in a way, if you really are stuck, skill and the confidence in that skill breeds competence because the things we seek truly, if we're honest with ourselves, are not domain specific. Look, I love health and fitness for sure. It's like a foundation of feeling good and it's something that I can help a lot of people. What I love more than like the Fit Father Project is like all the bigger things that enables me to do. It's like constructively work on a really cool business, work with people I love, see the direct fruits of like my, the, the labor that I get yeah. to put into and like teach and talk. Like these are like the more meta things. It, you could sub me out. I could literally be running a child's daycare. And if I could check those boxes, those like meta boxes, it would be the same kind of thing. So I think we get hung up on like what the topic of our passion is versus like just the process of this life exploration. And we really are seeking these deeper values of like feeling of meaningful contribution with our efforts, uh, feeling like we're adequately compensated for, you know, our, what we're doing. Um, and, and I guess like growth forward progress, and we can check those boxes in like so many different ways. So I think it's good to start with things you're good at. And I think that Jim Collins, like hedgehog exercise is valuable too, because it can help you get some more clarity on that. And like, if I didn't enjoy or have skill at speaking and presenting and communicating, I wouldn't be doing this job. You know, like there are doctors that are know way more medicine than me that aren't as passionate about necessarily communicating or like the online aspect of like spreading a message. So they're not doing this. They're doing something different, but this happens to be like my shtick. So you kind of find yourself in that hedgehog concept and then you, you, it takes a while to get traction. I mean, took me legitimately eight years or so with business. But if you care enough, I like the Steve Jobs quote that it's like, you got to love what you do because it's going to be like basically so hard that if you don't, you're going to quit. So yeah. that's where I think the passion thing can come in there too. But I hope that provides some clarity on, on my thoughts on that. Oh, it does, man. It does. It's, I was writing as you were talking <laughs> and I want to I reiterate something that you said to make sure that people heard this correctly because you're very succinct. Like you don't go all over the place to get to the point. You're very clear on your point. And I I want people to understand that. So what, here's what you said. What are you good at? Just start there, right? It's a very basic piece. Good to great book, uh, Jim Collins. And then confidence breeds competence, right? I I really just, that line just really stuck out to me. And then the, the other two other things you said that really stuck out were contribution, compensation, and growth. And I've, I've really never thought about it in those terms. And, and, um, and I think most people think what's in it for me, you know, what can I do that's going to benefit me the most? But when you think about it in terms of contribution, what can I do that'll then provide compensation? Like what can I do that I love that I'm good at? You know, I think people get, and this is a whole nother conversation, but I think people get really caught up in the in the high school to college to the job and that, that whole sort of societal pressure of that world. I mean, obviously you had to go to college to get to medical school. It's, it's a given. You have to do that. But most people have no idea what they want to do. And so just going to go, I don't think that breeds, comp, I don't think that breeds confidence and it. And it certainly doesn't, it certainly doesn't end in contribution or compensation or growth. It's kind of like most people just get out and they, they hit like fly paper and they slowly make their way out of it to the next level, which is most yeah. likely flypaper again, you know? So that, that just, I want to reiterate that for the audience. That stuff is actually a lot bigger than we think. And we could probably sit and talk for about five hours. And, and uh, I want to get to the Fit Father Project. So I'm a huge fan. Um, give everybody your website real quick and we'll do it at the end. And it's also on our show notes and on, on my website as well. But give everybody the website and just, Let's talk about how you started it, um, what it is, and, and, and obviously, it's your contribution. So, let's talk about the Fit Father, Father Project for us. Yeah. So, we're, we're e- thankfully, we're easy to find. So, you can type in Fit Father Project in Google. The website URL is fitfatherproject.com. Yeah. Um, and I will, I will talk about how it's grown, too, in the trajectory because we, we did, uh, earlier this year, create Fit Mother Project. Um, on the back end of the momentum of fit father project. And we have an amazing YouTube channel too. I think we have like almost six, 700 videos. Um, a lot of great stuff on there. So you can find us there too. If you want to listen to me talk some more. (laughs) Okay. So, um, ultimately 
thinking back to those medical school days, I was always passionate about like diseases of chronic lifestyle. Like, you know, we have the heart disease, obesity, diabetes, like largely there are exceptions, but largely these are due to the fact that people are not properly managing their bodies in the domains of sleep, food intake, and movement. And when you don't do that, the metabolism gets junked up, weight comes on, metabolic syndrome, blood sugars are not there, add in some high stress and cortisol, and you have this like condition of people like dying Delicious. of heart disease, right? Heart disease and cancer kills most people. Cancer, depressed immune system, weight gain increases cancer risk for sure. All these lifestyle factors increase cancer risk. So it's all related to this puzzle of like, how do we manage these bodies? And it's not that we don't know what the healthy foods are or that we should exercise. It's like a behaviors game. You know, everyone knows that the salmon is probably a better option than the burger, right? But right. It's, it's like, how do you get yourself to, to do that on a consistent basis? So that's why when I was in college, I, I really got fascinated by psychology and neuroscience. And I realized over time that it's the most important part of this whole equation. It's like, how do you help design a system that people can use to guide their behaviors in the consistent good direction that's actually sustainable? Um, so it started off as we had the website up and I, I realized in a very simple way, like I wanted to create the Fit Father Project, mission with my dad, started getting good at shooting videos and I started writing articles because I found when I typed in how do guys over 40 get in shape, there was like no good articles online. So I'm like, man, I mean, this is the internet. I might as well just be the guy to write that. So I wrote that. Can I, can I ask um, you something and, real quick before you go? Yeah. I just need to ask you while you're on this, why is it harder for guys over 40 to get in shape? Yeah, I mean- I think a couple things. Obviously, we can talk about like the biological aspect of it. Um, you have decreasing, um, you have a decreasing metabolism, which is primarily a byproduct of decreasing muscle mass and lack of activity. So you don't burn as many calories as you did in your 20s, but you're right. still eating kind of like similar foods. And then we have the whole stress component, right? So I, I think that here, here are the main obstacles. Metabolic slowdown, busy schedule coupled with stress, which creates a, an unfavorable hormonal and motivational component to make you want to stay on track of that. Uh, you're very busy and you probably have joints that hurt from injuries you've accumulated that make it so that exercise is not as easy as like feeling indestructible when you're 10 or 15, 18, for example. Yeah. Right. So those are, those are the hurdles. If I had to boil it down to one hurdle, I would think it's, it would say it's a lack of having a system, a system that respects your busy schedule and your aging metabolism, like a system that's sustainable. Now, when it comes to getting into shape, the good news is that diet is so far more important than exercise. Like one of the big objections we hear, because we talk to a lot of guys, so we know it's like, I'm too busy to exercise or do X, Y, Z. Well, the good yeah. news is like, we literally have clients who have lost a hundred pounds with us just with nutrition who haven't changed anything. They haven't even done a single workout but they've changed their nutrition and they start just walking once a day. So it's, it's enough. So the good news is that when it comes to health and fitness, like little hinges swing big doors. So if you can make a couple tweaks with your nutrition and compound those results, like you can start to see progress and there's nothing more motivating, right? Than forward progress. So our philosophy is kind of, is kind of simple. We get guys on um, a schedule based eating plan. So when guys sign up for us, it's not like we just hand you a meal plan that's like, hey, here's when you eat meals. We give you five different meal timing schedule setups that fit most guys. You know, some are like have breakfast, some are intermittent fasting, some guys work the night shift or third shift if they're cops or EMTs. So you got to have a meal timing schedule setup that like fits your routine. That's more important than foods. The reason it's more important than foods is because your schedule and your routine is like the architecture on which we hang everything. When the routine disintegrates, you're not going to get the healthy food anyway. So you might yeah. as well find something that's like frictionless. So if you know that you really don't care for breakfast or you're super busy in the morning, you either intermittent fast or we figure out a breakfast for you that's literally like a protein shake kind of thing that you can blend in five minutes, tastes delicious, keeps you full until lunch. Whatever that is, we get you that schedule-based meal plan. We help you identify go-to meals for breakfast and lunch, like the normal routine thing. For guys, it is so essential to nail down and be super consistent with your first few meals of the day. Again, doesn't matter if you fast or not or whatever you do with your diet, but you gotta basically be eating a subset of a similar things in those first few meals and then you can have variety at dinner. Because during the day when we wake up and the mind starts racing because we have all the, the work stuff that we have to get to, the family stuff, you need to have no decisions to be made just consistency early in the day. So you have these basically pre-planned go-to foods, go-to meals. We teach you how to like prep the stuff so you don't have to think about it. And then you can have more flexibility and variety for dinner. 
Um, and when you start to do a plan that has this, and there's obviously like intricacies, we go into all this like in our program, you can finally be on something that feels like sustainable with your healthy eating. And notice that we're not saying, oh, you need to be keto or you need to be paleo yeah. or vegan vegetarian. We have guys on all different types of eating setups. It's more about the structure and this rhythm. And then from there, guys start losing weight. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for guys to lose three, five, 10 pounds in their first week if they're super heavy. Um, and that's motivating. Because when you start to see, wow, I'm already feeling better just from these little changes, then you have a little more of that energy, that emotional energy and that physical energy to want to exercise. When it comes to exercise, we believe that there are three different types of exercise that guys over 40 need to be doing. It's strength training. It's some kind of cardiovascular training and some kind of flexibility-ish stuff that keeps you yeah. mobile because ultimately that's the quality of your life. As you get older, if you lose the mobility, you know, we've seen it happen to our parents, grandparents, et cetera. And so we kind of combine those into what we call metabolic resistance training workouts, MRT workouts. In a way, it's like the safe kind of like P90X that's for like guys over 40. So all the exercises are like very joint friendly um, and it can be done at home with like a pair of dumbbells and around like five, 10 feet of floor space. So it's really good because you want to remove the obstacles. You don't have to go to the gym. You can do it at home. The workouts take about 45 minutes. And the beautiful thing with those types of workouts is like you can increase your metabolic rate for up to 24 hours after a single session. So imagine this, you're a guy in your 50, you have a slower metabolism, you're busy. If you can budget 35 minutes, three times a week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as a metabolic investment, a little over like 100 minutes per week, I know you're busy, but everyone pretty much has that amount of time. You have a metabolism that's boosted throughout the entire week because you do it on Monday, you got a metabolic lift on Tuesday. You do it on Wednesday, metabolic lift on Thursday. Do it on Friday, et cetera. And so then you have a metabolism that's, 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 that's definitely burning more. You have a schedule-based meal plan. And then we throw guys in these basically like fraternity groups, um, these chapters where all the guys in the program are in there together, sharing the struggles, sharing the wins, talking about things like real talk. We put them in these chapter groups and that's kind of our recipe. Um, and it works super well. And, and before we have guys kick off too, we, we have them write a mission statement um, that really helps them dig deep on what their why is and, and helps them connect their health to every area of their life. Like how their current decisions around their health are affecting everything that they, they didn't even realize. How's it affecting your relationship with your spouse? How's it affecting your ability to like earn money and have the job you want to be a good parent? Maybe your spirituality. Like when you make those connections, you see that the cost of not following this path ends up being massive. It's not one that's just like the beer belly and like the doctor's checkup. That's not a fun thing. It ends up being like, holy shit, I am literally sabotaging totally. every area of my life by not doing this. And when you have that emotional connection, it gives you more willpower in those moments when you don't feel like doing things because there's more gravity to your decision. We do the things automatically that we know we really need to do. It's like no one like, almost no one like doesn't feed their kids. It's like not an option. It's like, <laughs> you know, like they need food. So it's not even like a decision, but if you can get your health to be a little more on that spectrum where it's like this body requires X, Y, Z and it like, it needs to get done, then you can find the motivation to get it done. So that's our system. We do that. And it's been super, it didn't start like that excellent. Like it started off with me literally like designing meal plans and like emailing guys one by one and then it grew and then our team grew and then guys started telling other guys and now we have all these members um, and then they have a lot of them's wives, sisters, et cetera, that we have Fit Mother Project now that's doing the same thing on the women's side. Um, and that's, that's where we're at. We're just kind of on a mission to help give guys like the community and like this systematic approach to getting healthy and we wanna just help as many guys as we can. Um, and it's, it's been a heck of a ride so far and I do get the sense that we're just getting started too. So awesome, man. I love your commitment to it. And it's actually very simple because I, I think when I talk to other people, especially friends, and you know, I'm 37 years old, I have friends that they don't look 37. They look like 57, you know, and yeah, they're, stress, they're, right? yeah, I mean, that, the stress is just eating away at them and overweight and out of shape. And, and you're right. It does affect every area of your life. It affects how you uh, interact with your children and your spouse and, and, uh, sexuality, you know, and, and mm -hmm. feeling like you you actually want to be naked with somebody, you know, that's, a, that's a big mm -hmm. thing. And when you don't, you know, like <clears throat> people don't think about the effect of that with the other person in your life or especially if you're single. Um, but I, I love the simplicity of this. And I think that most people who have conversations with me in my coaching business about health and nutrition, They'll, I'll say to them, what's the hardest thing? What's the number one thing holding you back? And they'll say, I don't know where to start. I, I literally see all these different programs that say they're perfect for me. But mm -hmm. how, how do they know 
my lifestyle? You know, how do they know that I can't eat that or I can't do that or that all the the stuff in this product is actually going to do worse for me? You know, it's like taking a bunch of different prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. One's going to have an effect and this one counters, counters that and that one counters this and that one counters this and you're just in a vicious cycle all day. So I love that you've made it so simple. Um, I've been watching your videos for, I don't know, a, a, a quite a while. When did you start Fit Father Project? Uh, 2012. Okay. But I don't think so we been, started YouTube until a couple of years ago though. I was going to say, it's at least a couple of years that I've been just seeing, just seeing videos of you talking. And, and I, what I liked is that your demeanor is so calm and chill, but I see that the, I see the results, right? I see that you are in shape and fit, but you're not, you're not up there like just jacked up and like, oh, let's do this, man. Like we got you. Like, I, I, I liked that mm-hmm. aspect because I have an intensity to me, but however, I have an introverted side that I really like to, to keep it, you know, keep around all yeah. the time and keep me, keep my energy stored. So for anybody that's wondering, like if you're listening to this and saying, I know I've got to do something, Dr. A is not nagging you. He's just talking to you because it's, just, it's designed today for you to take action and men on purpose take action and taking action would be going to fitfatherproject.com and just exploring it nobody says you have to buy anything watch a couple videos narrow in on what it is that you feel you need and then go from there you know i i i like swimming at night right i like when the kid my kids are in bed my wife goes to sleep you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock. I'll I'll roll out to the pool because one of the things for me that's you can call it an excuse, but it's really a part of my mission, which is max time with family. Right? I don't want to go swimming at six thirty in the morning because my daughter and I get up and we do we do affirmations together and we journal together. She's only four, right? So I want to build those habits because I didn't have those built and the amount of stuff that I had to clear out to be able to get to this place, if I can make it a little bit easier and more purposeful on her, I'd like to. So it's harder for me because now the pool closes at eight, right? And on a Friday night, like tonight, I'm not going to go to the pool. And guess what? I haven't been to the pool all week and I didn't go last week either. And so there's this little tiny thing that'll derail everything. Now my diet is, is dead on. However, the physical piece is, I need more simplicity, right? I need to know that I've got a kettlebell and some dumbbells downstairs and I can do this. So I'm making a commitment that I'm going there afterwards where I'm going to have a private conversation with you and we're going to get, we're going to get rolling with something for, for me because yes, I'm in shape. However, I don't feel in the best shape I could be in. I've got back, I've got some back issues from that pelvic injury that you know, the way it, it healed back, it healed too far forward. And now, you know, I'm, I, I'm struggling with whatever trauma in the muscles. So I'm making the commitment now that I'm doing this with you because I want to be in the best shape of my life. Even when I read your bio, I know your story and I read your bio before this and dude, it it choked me up a little bit because I looked at my wife and she was reading with me and she's like, shit, 42. And I'm like, fuck, like I'm almost 38. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's very real in our, in our world. And so I just want to thank you for being on the show and, and talking about your passion, your mission, and just the, the level of commitment that you have to, to creating a healthier world for people over 40 out there uh, in the world. And it's just, it's so commendable, man. It's so awesome that you're doing this. Thank you, brother. I really yep. enjoyed our conversation. For sure. And I know we can, dude, we could, I need to get you back on because we, we've got a lot more stuff to talk about. <laughs> we really do. I love that. We really do. So um, for everybody, you can stop writing for a second and make sure you've got the website down or not stop writing, but stop writing notes. Take the website down, fitfatherproject.com. Google Fit Father Project. Type it into YouTube. It is purely easy to find. If you can't find it, there's something wrong with you. and You're programming yourself to not do this thing. So just go there. Just have a look. Check it out. And, you know, if you're if you're thinking about like, you know, this keto stuff or, or the paleo stuff, if that stuff is, you know, in your brain and it's what you're seeing in your Facebook feeds and you want to know something about it, you got you have videos on that and it's. Oh yeah, it's, totally, totally. And yeah. I would say, I would say if you do check out our site, 
um, we give our free meal plan and our free workout on there. You like, we'll send it straight to your email and like that will basically distill like our do this, do this like philosophy on this stuff. And it's yeah. awesome. So we'll help you like demystify some of that stuff. And we got great videos on that keto paleo too. Yep. I love it. All right, Dr. A. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Thanks. Yeah. Really great meeting been. you in person and, and thank you so much <laughs> for being here and, and, um, and sharing all this wisdom with us. And I can tell it's so genuine from you. Wait till you guys see the video. It's so you just, you're authentic, man. You're so authentic and genuine that it's, it's you, really awesome to be on the other side of the mic hanging with you. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks bro. Appreciate you. Yep. Absolutely. And for all of you listening, I appreciate you and the feedback that you're giving us as we grow my commitment to, to education and to involvement and evolution of this podcast to get you, you know, the best of the best that I can find to evolve this podcast, to constantly bring the highest level guests, delivering the highest level information that people are looking for. You know, I don't want to, we don't want to just talk about random stuff. We want to talk about stuff that people are looking for. And this conversation today, that was it. I feel it. I, I, I just, I love that everybody's in such support of this podcast. And I thank you for listening and downloading and giving us feedback. You know, this episode with Dr. A has been just uh, spot on. I love it. So Thanks to our guest, Dr. A. Remember, you can go to fitfatherproject.com and find out all the stuff about, um, say your last name again. I'm, I'm Balduzzi or Balduzzi. Balduzzi. Okay. Yeah. I was saying Balduzzi. <laughs> like pizza. I love it. But, okay. That's the, that's Bal- legit Balduzzi. Got yeah. it. Got it. So Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, it's been a pleasure. And again, fitfatherproject.com. You go to my website, ianloboss.com. It'll be in the show notes. It can't miss this stuff. Look, remember, People on purpose take action. So if something moved you here, you feel the resistance in your body, counter it, go for it, take action, go to the website, call me, call Dr. A, get into action in some capacity. You are not listening to this for no reason. And this might be your wake up call today. And, and, and I'm so glad that you're here. So thank you everybody for listening. We love you and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.